This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston. Bonus episode! My five biggest mess-ups and five smartest choices. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Hi there, my friend. Today we're doing a bonus episode. I want you to get to know me a little bit more if you don't already. And you may already know me really well because some of the stuff I'm going to share with you today is totally new. Like we're taking back a new layer of Lindsay and I'm burying my soul a little bit. I'm a little bit nervous about this one, but here's why I'm doing it. Two reasons. First off, I feel like part of my purpose on this planet is to model authenticity and to really put myself out there, good, bad, ugly, show it all as a model for other people. Because I feel like if I open that door or just step through that door of authenticity, I feel like so many others have already opened it, I'm just stepping through it, then maybe it'll encourage you to live a life that way where you're just able to fully express yourself in the way that feels authentically you. The second reason I'm doing this is because I coach a lot of women privately one-on-one. And in our coaching process, we have a call where we talk about their worst memories. And many times, some of those memories will be laced in other sessions because maybe they didn't think about it that one session where we talked about their worst. But I hear from women when they're telling me these worst memories, a lot of times they have guilt and shame around things that they've done or just embarrassment, feeling like they're the only ones who have made certain mistakes. And it's just not true. (laughs) And many times if they've made a mistake and I've made it too, I'll just quietly and gently say, you're not alone here. I've done this too without going in depth with it. And so today I want to just kind of, again, put it out there. So you can see you are never, ever alone in your mistakes, okay? I have made some big ones in my life. And then two, I want to tell you about the five smartest choices that I've made in my life in hopes that maybe you will get inspired from those choices and take action on it because you've seen me bloom and blossom from taking those chances in my life. All right, so you ready for this? I'm going to actually start with my five biggest mess ups. You're like, let's just rip off the bandaid. <laughs> it's like when somebody comes to you and says, I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want to hear first? And you're like, the bad news. Just give it to me first. I'm going to get to that. Okay. You ready for this? Okay. Number five is 
jumping around in my career versus staying put in my 20s. And really, this goes back to not listening to myself and not trusting myself. When I was in college, there were two professions I was very drawn to, and that was psychology and teaching. And I even met with a counselor and I said, how can I make both of these work? And I said, you can double major. It'll take you five years. And then you can even stay a sixth year and get a master's in teaching. And that's the way you could do both. And looking back, that is the choice I wish I would have made. For whatever reason, I just didn't go that pathway. I ended up majoring in psych, minor in communications, and just putting teaching aside. And I wish I wouldn't have. Looking back on it, what I wish I would have done in my 20s was pursue a teaching career, teaching elementary. That was always my calling of what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do that long term because I knew once I had kids, I did not want to be teaching and then being at home with kids. I just knew that was going to max me out. And two, I knew I wanted to make more money than typically what a teacher makes. And um, yeah, I just did not choose that. Again, I don't remember the exact reasoning. I think part of it was I didn't think my parents were going to pay for my private school college education for five or six years. And there was a lot of pressure on me already for them paying for what they did pay for. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I just want to get out of here and move on and make money and make a lot of money so that I never have to be dependent on my parents again. I think that's what my reasoning was, but it's it's kind of gray. But again, looking back on that, I think, man, I wish I would have done that because in my 20s, I jumped around a lot. Like my first year out of college, I thought I was going to go and get a master's in counseling and kind of just work on the side and... I sort of did that and I sort of didn't. And then I went into HR for a couple years. And again, it was just, I felt really lost in my 20s. And I wish instead I would have just listened to myself and knew that I wanted to be a teacher for a while and trusted that. Now, of course, everything happens for a reason. I have a lot of peace now with this decision. Of course, there's still a piece of me that's like, oh, if only, because I didn't make a lot of money in my 20s at all. As I said, I hopped around a lot. And when you do that, you know, it can impact your income. I also had my daughter when I was young. And part of that was just because I felt so unfulfilled in my career that I was just like, well, why the heck not? Why not go ahead and be a mom kind of thing and made some silly choices of like not (laughs) fully using protection sexually like I should have to let those things kind of slip in. So yeah, that's number five. And you may be like, oh my gosh, Lindsay, that's nothing. Trust me, we're going to go deeper here. Okay, number four is not choosing ongoing coaching. So this may seem like I'm trying to pitch you ongoing coaching. And if that's the way you want to think about it, that's fine. Even if I wasn't a coach, I would still say this is my number four. Because what happened when I signed up for my very first life coaching experience as a client, I was coached with my coach for one-on-one for about nine months. And it was an amazing experience. I changed so much. It's what inspired me to go and be a coach and all the things. And after we were done, she left the door open and she said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, okay, well, I'll just call you if and when I need maintenance sessions. And we had maintenance sessions here and there. And then we kind of drifted apart and I didn't really contact her and she didn't really reach out to me. 
And I just thought, okay, I don't want to spend money on coaching anymore. I want to make money. And um, I just thought I could do everything now because I knew this coaching process, which was so powerful. But looking back, I wish I would have committed to ongoing coaching because I would have kept the growth that I had in those first nine months and just kept growing. Because what happened is I grew a ton in those nine months and I kind of rode that wave for, gosh, a year or two. And then I just flatlined for a little bit. And I just kind of stayed stuck, especially with my business growth. It just kind of stayed the same. And I didn't really make a lot of money. And uh, just a lot of things started to pile up in my mind of new blocks and barriers that I wasn't fully aware of because many times they're so close to our mind, we can't see them. And, you know, again, I just flatlined. I moved back a little bit. Then I moved forward a little bit. And it just felt like this harder uphill climb to reach my next step goals versus when I had ongoing coaching, it was like I was just reaching one goal after another, after another, after another. And part of that too was it was like I had taken in so much abundance in those nine months. It was like my body couldn't handle anymore. And so luckily since then, I've learned about things like the upper limit problem from the book, The Big Leap that I sent to all my clients. And we have a whole week where we talk about that. And so they don't self-sabotage because in essence, I was self-sabotaging and I was saying, okay, I can't take any more abundance. But consciously, I didn't know what was going on, but that's what was happening. So I wish I would have chose ongoing coaching because later, you'll hear this as one of my best choices down the road. But when I signed back up for ongoing coaching in 2020, I just skyrocketed. It just totally changed the game and solidified of, oh, Yes, I should have had ongoing coaching basically from 2014 through 2020, those six years. As I said, I grew, but not grew as fast as when I'm getting ongoing coaching. So that's my number four biggest mess up. Number three biggest mess up is just the way I showed up overall in college. I've talked about this in some other podcast episodes if you've listened to all of them. But in college, I didn't really want to go to college. I really wanted to go to New York City after I graduated from high school and I wanted to dance and I wanted to dance on Broadway. And um, my parents were not supportive of at all for that. Even when I just said, hey, I don't want to go to college and those words came out of my mouth, it was really a disastrous moment. <laughs> um, and it was just totally shut out. Now, granted, what I think would have happened is I would have gone to New York for a few months. I would have realized, whoa, I'm maybe really in over my head here and probably come back home with my tail between my legs a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't get to fully express myself during that time and fully get coached or mentored through that to say, hey, Lindsay, you know, let's let's look at this other option and here's why it's so great. So I am glad that I ended up going to college. But at the time, I was just this rebellious girl who was like, I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to do this. And instead of taking that out in a healthy way, I did it in a really unhealthy way. And I gossiped about people in the sorority I was in because even the sorority I was in, I was like, I don't really want to do this. I just really lost myself during those years and um, was trying to play this part of, you know, Lindsay that maybe could fit in this other box that people are telling me to fit in. And so I would just do these things to, again, just be like, hey, you can't tell me what to do. And so, as I said, I, I gossiped a lot and I hurt a lot of people during that time, even though at first I was like this golden girl in my sorority. I was a VP. 
very early on. I was like some award. I forget what the name of it was, but it was something like sister of the year kind of thing. And I was voted like most responsible. And this is a sorority with like hundreds and hundreds of girls. This isn't just some little like fly by night thing. It was a big deal. Um, But I was just very two-faced during those years. And I drank a lot of alcohol. There were times when I was in the car where people had been drinking and driving. I'm sh- I can't remember, but I'm sure I may have drank and drove. In fact, somebody, I remember specifically a car ride I took with one person. He took us home and I remember us jamming out to R. Kelly. Do you remember that? That that like ignition song? <laughs> this would have been like 2007, 8-ish. And we were all very, very drunk. And what happened was um, he went home that summer, ended up drinking the night before, went to work the next day either still drunk or just overly tired and ended up crashing and killing himself. And so that just kind of tells you is like how much we were all drinking and partying during those years. We were just like, um, again, you like attract what you are, you know. And so I attracted all these people who too had a chip on their shoulder. And even though we were at this amazing private school, I went to TCU. I mean, it's a beautiful school. It's for technically like high achieving kids and it's costs a lot of money to be there but yet we all just kind of took it for granted especially me I'm not gonna speak for others but especially for me I took it for granted and um, I dated people during those years that was just not healthy at all Um, I dated I was 19 and I was dating a 30 year old that I was waiting tables with then I dated a 27 year old when I was 20 21 which is a big deal at the time right like that's a big age gap I mean, now my husband and I are seven years apart, which it doesn't seem that much, but at the time it was big. And what's so funny is the, the second guy I dated who was seven years older, he had tattoos and he had piercings <laughs> and he smoked. And if you were to see me now, you were just like, whoa, that was totally not you. And see, like, yeah, totally not me. Um, and even my sorority, they were like, you can't bring these guys over here. And it was kind of like this F you, I'll do whatever the hell I want. I ended up leaving my sorority. It was just a lot of drama those years. And I ended up getting blackballed from my sorority to where I'd walk around campus and nobody from my sorority would even acknowledge me. I would even say hi and they would not say hi back and they would give me the most evil glare. And granted, some of it was deserving. I mean, I was kind of a bitch <laughs> and not in like a powerful bitch way. So I just I um I had to do a lot of work around those years and how I showed up and the people that I hurt during those years and um, just the choices that I made and really loving myself through that of I was just a girl who really wanted what she wanted out of life and I did it in unhealthy ways and that's okay. But I do wish I would have shown up differently. And if I were to look at it from, you know, more logical perspective, I wish I would have been mentored a different way during those years. And so it's taught me that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, when your kids graduate high school and they turn 18, like they fly the nest and they're done. No, kids still need a ton of mentoring and guidance gosh, up until like their mid to late 20s, if not beyond, you know, I think it's it's a lifelong thing that you need to be parenting your children very strongly. So that's that one. That's my number three. It's just the way I showed up in college. Now we're getting to the two that I'm feeling a bit nervous about. So number two biggest mess up 
is I used to be very toxic in my relationships with my significant other. So especially the relationship I had with my daughter's father, we were both very toxic. He gets this rap here on the podcast and anywhere that you hear me talking about things of like, oh, he lived this double life and cheated with this woman. And yes, it was horrible. And I wish he would have just told me like, hey, Lindsay, I don't want to do this anymore. And it would have ended amicably. And um, really what would have happened if he would have ended it that way, I probably would have looked like the bad guy because I was so toxic. I was abusive even. I would define myself. We would get in arguments and the way that he would argue wasn't like he was overly aggressive most of the time. It was like this funny backhanded, oh, what what do you want to call it? Like funny backhanded jabs at me. And sometimes it would be physical little jabs of just like, ha 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 and like trying to be funny to a point where I would snap. And then I'd be like, get off of me, leave me alone. And I would say horrible, nasty things. There were times when I would push him. There were times I remember once he was right up in my face, again, like being funny, but but aggressive funny. Um, And I remember taking his glasses off and like throwing them across the room. Oh my gosh. I remember so many horrible things that I did. Um, And I remember doing them in a relationship prior to that. Now, granted, that person had been stealing from me and I had caught him stealing from me. But still, I did not react in a very great way. I remember pushing him and screaming at the top of my lungs. And I remember at the time I had kittens because my cat had had kittens. And I remember the kittens looking at me with these eyes that they were just so scared of you know, what they were hearing because I had just went ballistic. And again, you could be like, well, Lindsay, he was stealing from you and he had stolen thousands of dollars from me. And I was a college student and it was just like little things that he had been doing for a while that all added up. But still, the way I handled myself was not okay and not appropriate. And again, I, th- I would consider it borderline, if not full-blown abusive. And um it's tricky because, again, I, I kind of grew up with some of that of like the relationship between my parents. My mom would blow up and do similar things to that. Um, I, I do think I took it next level to my mom. But uh, yeah, at the time, I just thought that was kind of normal and I didn't question it. Now, I would have some guilt and shame after the fact and think, oh, man, you know, I don't feel good would be kind of how I thought about it. I wish I wouldn't have gone that far, but I never thought like, oh, this is toxic behavior until later. And that's something that I wish I could take back. But of course, you know, I've had my peace with it. I've released it. I have love with it. Um, I've forgiven myself for it. And, you know, it's the journey of the people that I potentially harmed that they find peace with it as well. So that's my number two. All right, my number one. Are you ready for this one? This is the one that I really want to share the most because I've heard so many women who I coach tell me that they have this one as well. And then they, you know, think like they're the only ones and they feel guilt and shame around it. So when I was 19, that's when I lost my virginity. And I had very little coaching or mentoring in regards to 
sex and how that whole thing worked. Now, of course, I knew how the whole like, you know, this and this equals a baby and all the things, right? Um, when I became sexually active, this was a time in my life where, again, I was super rebellious. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. And the night that I ended up losing my virginity, I was so drunk that I was, in essence, I don't remember all the details. I don't think I was fully passed out, but I just remember not being coherent until a certain point. And I was like, oh my gosh, get off of me. I'm a virgin. And he did. Because I don't think he was like, you know, taking advantage of me. I think I had been leading him on. And I, because I remember calling him and telling me to come pick him up. And I remember being really flirty with him in the car. And um, then who knows what happened. That's where it's like all a blur. And then I remember being like, oh my gosh, get off me. I'm a virgin. And then after that had happened, I was like, well, I lost that. Might as well just like keep hanging out with this guy. And that was the guy that was 10 years older than me. And um, then I was like, okay, well, I guess I, you know, should get on birth control. And so I did. And I ended up getting really sick off of it and feeling really almost crazy on it, like just highly emotional. And being in a highly emotional state, I was like, I'm not going to take this anymore. And so I quit taking it. And he was very adamant about, oh, we'll just do the pull-out method, which I've heard so many of you. I know this is TMI for some of you, but he was like, oh yeah, that works, whatever. Yeah, that's not a smart choice. So what happened was um, we started dating in August, I believe, of that year. It might have been July. And um, we had just kept dating. Again, my sorority was like totally against it. And I was just kind of giving everybody the middle finger with it all. And December, I ended up moving out of the sorority house because I knew I wanted to drop at that point. My VP term was over and I was moving into my new apartment and um, I just started feeling really off. Like I felt really sore and I was like, man, I'm really sore just from moving like to a next level sore. I started feeling really tired. And then New Year's Eve, I had one glass of champagne and the next morning I threw up. And I thought, well, that's really weird because remember, I'm at a point in my life where I used to drink a lot and then my period didn't come. So you know where I'm going with this, right? So then I take a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant and I'm freaking out because now I'm just newly 20 years old and I know I can't turn to anybody in my family because my parents were already putting a lot of pressure on me that I had to fit this certain mold. And... um. I just knew that my only option was to have an abortion. And I, again, was like, I didn't want to walk around even being pregnant for nine months and letting anybody know that I had done this. And um, because, of course, like adoption entered my mind, right? Because I knew I just was not ready to be a mom at all. I knew the person I was with was not ready to be a father. I knew I didn't want to be with him long term. I knew he wasn't going to be a good provider or a good father figure at all. Um, And so I made a decision like within minutes of seeing that positive pregnancy test of like, I'm having abortion. This is what I'm doing. And we're off for Christmas break for school. And I was a server at the time and I just picked up so many shifts and he was supposed to pay for half and he kept like dropping the ball of giving me half the money. And so I picked up more shifts and I ended up having enough money within a few days. 
and went and had an abortion. And I think I was about six weeks pregnant at the time, six weeks and like a couple days. Um, and again, I just totally numb myself out through the whole thing. Was like, this is just what I got to do. There are little like blurbs of things that I remember about that day. Um, but I just, it was like very like, I was stone cold going in there of like, this is what I'm doing. No one's talking me out of it. This is what I'm, I've got to do kind of thing. But then, of course, that lingered with me for a very long time. A lot of guilt around that. You know, when I look back on that decision, I don't regret that decision. I do think I made the best decision at the time. Had I had a different support system, I probably would have made a different choice. Had I been dating someone different, maybe I would have made a different choice. I don't know. Like if my daughter came to me and said, Mom, I'm pregnant. She was 20 years old in the same boat. I may handle that differently with her. So I have a lot of self-love for myself during that time because I did beat myself up for a long time about that. And as I said, I don't regret it, but I am very remorseful for that choice. And more so than anything, I am sad for that 20-year-old, barely 20-year-old me, who just didn't get the love and care and the coaching and mentoring that she needed during that time in her life. And so, again, everything happens for a reason. It's unfortunate that I had to come to that decision because, again, I do feel a lot of remorse over that because I do believe that um, human life is very precious and it's, it's up for debate when human life starts, right? But again, if my daughter came to me in that position, I may guide her differently just on mentoring and coaching until she would have a totally different support system through that. Um, but yeah, so I made that choice and I've had to find a lot of love for myself because, you know, out in the world, it can be very black and white. And there are a lot of people out there who can be very judgmental and hurtful over people who do that. And I know when I've coached clients through this, they feel the same. And so it's just, it's unfortunate because so many of us just did not have the right coaching and teaching to make stronger decisions during those years in our life. And two, if you're a woman who's like, man, I don't regret it. I'm not remorseful at all. You do you, right? If that's your belief system, awesome. I'm just sharing with you mine. And this is why I will always be very pro-choice because um, I believe the system is broken and I, I don't like that abortion, it comes to abortion sometimes for women, but unfortunately we are just not teaching our children appropriate sex education methods. We're not teaching them emotional maturity. And so they make poor choices because of that. So that's my two cents on it. And that's where I've come to peace with it. As I said, I do have a lot of remorse for that decision, but it is what it is at this point. And I've had to choose self-love for myself. And when my mind goes to starting to beat myself up for that, I go back to love and acceptance and forgiveness for myself. And so it was interesting because when I got pregnant with my daughter, gosh, I was 25. So only five years later, it happened again. You think I would have lived and learned, but with my daughter's father, we 
had a similar birth control method, even though I had tried different things, I could just never find the right birth control for me. So we did the whole, you know, pull out method, blah, blah, blah. And um, with her, there was a part of me that was like, oh, we're not married. Oh, I don't feel fully ready to have a baby yet. But I felt ready enough. And I felt like he was ready enough to have a baby. When, um, you know, we were at that moment, though, I knew he needed some emotional maturity, as did I. But I was like, oh, the, you know, the baby will bring that up in us. And it did for me immediately. I matured a lot during my pregnancy and my first few years with her. And he struggled for a bit, (laughs) obviously, with some of the choices he made. And I am glad that he has come around. He, of course, has his flaws, as we all do. But he um, shows up very well for my daughter, and he is an amazing financial support for her, and he's very consistent for her, and he loves her deeply. And um, I feel like, again, like I made the right choice, even though in that moment there was a part of me that's like, oh, this isn't perfect. Maybe I should go have another abortion. And I was like, no, Lindsay, you had your opportunity. Now it's time to step up to the plate. And so I made that choice. So kind of rambling at this point, take what you love out of this and leave the rest. If anything, I'm just kind of telling you today again, my story and where I'm at and to let you know I'm not a perfect person. I don't know why people ever put me on a pedestal. Please don't. I am such a human being. I am in this journey with you. I've made so many mistakes. And so those are my top five. Now let's talk about my five smartest choices. So again, I'm sharing these with you because I want to um, hopefully plant some seeds in you to take some action in your own life that maybe you're not taking. And maybe one day you'll say, I listened to this podcast from this Lindsay girl, and she said about her five smartest, and it really inspired me to do X, Y, Z, and that led to ABC. Okay. All right. So smartest choice number one, going to a tarot card reader when I was 28 years old, about to be 29. And this is why this moment is so important for a couple of reasons. The first is this was the first time in my life I was starting to trust myself and listen to myself. For so many years, I had wanted to go to a tarot card reader. But, you know, the stigma and stereotype of it is, oh, my gosh, that's so wacky woo-woo. It's a waste of money. Don't go do those things. But I had always been called to that of okay, I just want to go try this thing. What what could ha- what could happen, right? And I live here in the Bible Belt. And of course, you know, with Christianity, they can be like, oh, that's witchcraft and devil's work and all the things. I'm like, I don't think it is. <laughs> that was just my calling. And I had found a woman who was called, gosh, like the fortune teller of Dallas or something. I don't remember her tagline. But I just felt really called to her. And um, I ended up making an appointment. And I thought, well, you know, why not? Let me just go. Let me just see what it's like. And I walk in. Many of you know this story because I've told it many times. But I walk in and she's like, you're going to have a big career. And that was why I was going to her because I was just at the end of my divorce. I was starting to date again. And um, I just wanted to figure out, okay, what's going to be my it career? Because I'm tired of just you know, going back and forth on all these professions. I want to really go all in and figure out what it is that I'm meant to do. And it was so funny that when I walked in, she said that. And she started looking at my birth chart, which is basically you just take your birth date and time and location, and they look at the planets and where all the planets were when you were born. And she was just saying so many things about me that nobody could ever know. And things that I had never really fully seen in myself or really had a language to be able to say about myself. And she was saying those things. 
And it just opened my eyes to this whole new world, in essence, of possibility. Granted, I had been a psych major. I had known some assessments like Myers-Briggs along the way, but I just kind of half-assed it, to be honest with you. As I said in college, I just like barely showed up. And so she really opened my eyes to who I was and allowed me to find a passion in psychology again and um, told me during that session, she's like, you're going to be a life coach and this is what you're going to do. And I was like, life coaching? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) And I pushed back on her about it. And she's like, no, you know, this is, you know, don't go and waste your time in counseling. That's not what you're meant to do. And she kept going back to it and back to it and just going off this whole vision that she had seen and. Um, again, I left and I was like, uh, I mean, do I really want to believe this woman? Because it just seemed like my life was going to be so great. And she even talked about, because at that time I had just met my husband like a couple days prior and she's like, oh, you've just met this guy and he's, he's going to fall madly in love with you. And, um, you're like the perfect girl he's always wanted. And I was like, what now? Like, you know, cause you're just so used to kind of dating asshole after asshole, right? And um, yeah, so that experience, really what it was, as I said, it opened my eyes to here's what happens when you trust yourself, Lindsay, and you go after your desires and what you're wanting. And she also opened my eyes to seeing a future that was amazing. I don't think anyone had ever spoken to me in that way before of showing me something that was just so abundant and what was so possible for me. Because you know, a lot of times we're dished different, I don't know what we want to call it, we're dished different uh, steps in our life or different futures in our life where the people mean well, but it's in this um, way of realism. You know, it's like, oh, don't get your too, your head too much in the clouds. You know, they, they want to keep us from disappointment and making, you know, quote unquote, dumb choices. But then we, we cut ourselves short, right? And when I went and I saw her, her name's Valentina Burton, by the way, you can look her up. I think her website's the Tarot Card Reader of Dallas or something or the Fortune Teller of Dallas. I don't remember. But um, so anyways, I when I went to her, I left and it was like, oh, yes, this is what my future can look like. And I believed it just enough to start to take action from that place. And I took action right away. I started looking up life coaching. I found a life coach school in my area that was based in neuroscience. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So life coaching can be this real thing and it can be a legitimate practice. Ended up having an interview with someone on their team another week later. Ended up signing for my own life coach within weeks and going through the coaching process. And uh, that was really my number two smartest choice is actually applying her advice because so many people could go to visits like that and just be like, oh, okay, maybe she's talking out her ass and not take action from that. Because I do believe a lot of what she is telling me is her just kind of feeding into people possibility. And for them to just open their eyes enough to say, maybe this could be true, but it's up to them to take action from them. Now, I do believe she uses tools like a birth chart to be able to really fine tune and figure out who somebody is in the present moment to see like, oh, this would be really good for you. But then when she's doing these future cast visions of things of like, oh, you're going to have this big career as a life coach, that that's her really, again, just trying to put beliefs in somebody. So anyways, I took action off that. So then the belief is starting to come true, right? Because I started to believe that as well. 
and started coaching with my own coach. And within weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this work so much sooner, as so many of my clients tell me all the time. I just felt so different. I remember going to Las Vegas with my husband. At this point, we were dating like two and a half months. So it was pretty new. And he was head over heels for me, like Valentina had told me he would be. And he took me on this amazing vacation to Vegas. Like he booked this corner suite at the Bellagio. And it was like we were a king and a queen. And he wined and dined me. And it wasn't in a way of like a narcissist would, because I know many of you have dated narcissists like I have. Um, It was just in this deep, like he was falling deeply in love with me. And it was beautiful. And that next month was when he told me he loved me. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And I was able to take it in because I had had coaching. And I remember this moment we were dancing at this club of all things. And it was at the Bellagio. And you know, the Bellagio, if you've ever seen it, it has these fountains, right? And so this club, it would open up with these windows and you see these fountains. And we're just dancing really close together. And I just remember thinking in that moment, I have never felt this much joy in my entire life. And I just soaked up those few minutes of feeling that feeling. And I thought, I don't know what this is, but this is incredible. And I want more of this. And what happened was the reason I was able to feel that was I was finally able to see some of the blocks that were holding me back. And I was finally able to let some of my emotions out because my mind was just on repeat over and over about certain stories on the unconscious mind that kept me almost in a stress cycle for years upon years. And I was finally able to let those go and just be in the present moment. And I, again, I hear this so much from clients. They're like, I'm so present now. I just feel so different now. I feel these moments of this joy and abundance and gratefulness and love. And I'm like, yes, isn't it amazing? And it was just, I, I'll never forget that moment in my entire life because it was the first time I'd ever felt that before. And granted, now I get to feel that all the time. But when you feel it your first time, oh, it's beautiful. So anytime that I've invested in coaching in my life, I consider it one of the smartest choices, even though at the time my brain is like, Lindsay, are you sure you need this? Like, is this a smart decision? Don't you want to save that money? Or, you know, maybe you should go and buy some clothes or do something else, go on a vacation with this money. But every time I've invested in coaching, especially any kind of like one-on-one coaching, it has been absolutely the best decision of my life. Um, but me taking that first step to invest in that coach, especially when I didn't have a job at the time, I just had a couple thousand dollars in savings, was so brave on my part to take action from this random woman who was a tarot card reader. And I'm just so glad that I did. All right. So that's my second smartest choice. Third smartest choice was then the step I took after going through coaching, and that was going to coaching school and then developing my programs off of that. And here's what I loved most about that time as I was going to coaching school and developing my programs. And it starts off with like when I went to the tarot card reader, I started to listen to myself and I started to trust myself and I started to have more confidence. So before I went to coach training, I was always deemed like a pretty smart person. If you were to look at my grades and certain tests that I took, but I never, well, I'm not going to say never. I very rarely spoke up in class, 
And um, I would speak up here and there at different activities and stuff that I had in my life and with my friends and stuff. But I just was always so scared of getting it wrong. And I'm an Enneagram 5. So you people who know Enneagrams, you know this is what fives fear is not knowing everything. And when I went to coach training, my coach was actually one of the trainers. And I knew when I showed up there, I was like, okay, I have told this woman for months now who I want to be now and how I want to show up. And I have to show up as this person for this this training. I can't just sit in the back corner because, you know, I've told her all these things. And so I started raising my hand and I started saying things and I was just fully engaged with everything. And I would ask all the really uncomfortable questions when I was there and I would, you know, be vulnerable, which I had never been in a public setting. And I realized it's like, wow, I I really know my shit. And if I don't know my shit, then people don't judge me for it. And, you know, they, they're here to support me and to love me through this. And it was just a really amazing experience to be able to connect with people in that way and to build that trust muscle. Because then when I left coach training, I had built it so much that I started to trust myself with developing my own programs where many of the other coaches did not do that and ended up not becoming coaches after that. I just kept kind of following these breadcrumbs of where, you know, I was guided to and trusting that and saying, okay, I'm going to launch this podcast. And at the time it was called Life Lovers Radio. And I don't know what's going to come of it. And I don't know what I'm going to say next, but I'm just going to start saying things. And then I would work with clients one-on-one and I was like, okay, I think I can take this and I can put it in a group setting and I'm going to call it the Life Lovers Challenge. And I don't know what I'm going to say the next day, but I have, you know, 150 women in this. And so day one is going to, I'm going to say this. And day two, what am I called to say now? Okay, I'm going to say this the next day and getting such amazing feedback from that. And then, you know, developing my future programs after that. It was just such an amazing time in my life. And I'm just so glad I trusted myself and I had the skills to trust myself. And um, it was just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time. And I'm so glad that I decided to go to coach training, even though it felt really scary too to make another investment when I hadn't been working very much at the time. Because at the time, I was only working part-time, making like $1,300 a month. And then I get $1,500 child support. And so that was covering my bills. So anything I was putting toward my business was going on a credit card. And so that felt scary, right? But oh man, I'm so glad I made those choices. My fourth smartest choice goes back to something I sort of talked about earlier with my abortion, but then having my daughter and then eventually having my son. And obviously my son was planned. Um, And two, marrying my husband. So I'm putting that all in one bucket of just some of the personal choices that I've made in my life. I'm so glad I had my daughter, even though it felt so scary at the time um, to take that step. And I felt strong enough in myself, even though I was only 25. And then I just had barely turned 26 by the time I had her. I was so strong in myself that when everyone else was freaking out that I was pregnant, because her dad definitely freaked out, her dad's family sort of freaked out, but they were eventually very supportive and and immediately very supportive. And they were a sounding ground for me. My parents totally freaked out. My mom called me white trash, didn't talk to me for months. I was not invited to my brother's graduation. It was very traumatic. Um, Yeah, it was very traumatic. Um, But I was glad I was strong enough in myself to handle that versus had I been a 20-year-old, I would have probably lost it. I don't even know what I would have done. Um, Because even at 25, 26, it was very hard on me. Very, very hard on me. Um, 
because it was really some of the first times I was going against my parents, right? Like they had told me, you need to check all these boxes. And when I started saying, eh, I'm not going to check these boxes anymore, it was it was like a battleground for a while. So yeah, so eventually having my daughter and of course my parents came around. My mom and my daughter are like besties. <laughs> it's kind of creepy almost. Um, and then my son's pregnancy was not that enjoyable. I thought, oh, it's a planned pregnancy. And the reason I was probably feeling so miserable when I had my daughter was because, um, you know, I was so nervous about having her. No, I just, I just my pregnancy is really hard on me. But I'm so glad I had him. He's such a blessing and such a joy. And I love him dearly as much as I love my daughter. And marrying my husband has been a great one. And I've had my ups and downs. You've heard on the podcast, if you're an avid listener, that there are moments when I'm like, man, did I, should I have gotten married? I don't know. But uh, yeah, marrying my husband, best decision ever. Even though we do have our moments, I love that man so much, especially after the work I've been doing the past few months to really accept that I have a tent marriage and taking that in and doing the mindset work to deeply love him. It's been amazing to grow in that way and to be able to give and receive love in that way. So wonderful. And then the last smartest choice that I've made kind of goes back to something I said earlier when I did not sign up for ongoing coaching. It's the flip of that, of signing up for ongoing coaching in 2019, actually. I keep saying it was 2020, but 2019, what happened was I had had my son in 2018, took some time off. And when I started to wean him from nursing in early 2019, I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back in the game. Let's go. And so I started taking on some clients again. And I ended up taking on a handful of, I guess what you call like influencers as a marketing campaign to get my name back out there and get some more clients in the door. And I took on a lot of clients right away. Like I had 16 clients. That's a lot (laughs) for somebody who is basically a stay-at-home mom. And so, um, and two, you know, a handful of those, I think about five were not paying clients. They were people who were just in essence, sharing my work over and over and over and over and over so many times I had to share it um, to get coaching. And so I was doing the work of that and not really getting the immediate reward of it. And so it just felt very draining. And so I ended up reaching back out to my very first coach. And I said something along the lines of like, hey, I'm interested in coaching again. I need some self-care. You know, what do you got? And I went back and forth for a couple of weeks about do I really want to invest in this again? Um, you know, do I really need this? Can I just grin and bear it and suck it up? And I ended up doing some sessions with her and I was just like, oh my gosh, why have I not been doing this? It felt like I was just getting, you know, days and days of self-care in just a one-hour session. And we're clearing out all of these things that had piled up in my personal life and in my work life. As we started to dig through those things, there was just this momentum that was building. And it wasn't a fast momentum. It was like this this gradual momentum started to come a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And then in 2020, I ended up investing in another level of coaching and support, including Stacey Bayman's 2K for 2K program is what I mention often, which is really just like a 2K investment and a self-study program. But I went all in with, with that. And that transformed me deeply. And then more momentum started building. And I just kept investing. In 2020, I've said another podcast was an investment year for me. So I was taking all my profits. Well, not all, but most of my profits from that year. 
and reinvesting it. And I hired some contractors and I was just like, okay, this is it. Like, like I'm going to make this a multi six figure business. And here I am in 2021. And that's what I'm creating this year. Um, and I'm just so glad that I decided to quit messing around with the BS in my mind telling me, oh, Lindsay, I don't know if you really need coaching. Can't you just coach yourself and just be like, no brain, we're investing in coaching. <laughs> Hands down, shut your mouth. This is what we're doing. And um, I haven't looked back. And so that's when I started to develop my Living the Dream program for ongoing coaching and support because when you're getting ongoing coaching, it's just next level. The investment comes back to you. You're just growing all the time. Uh, things aren't piling up, as I keep saying, and you're just able to keep going and going and going and going and going in your life. And um, even if I wasn't a coach, I would be saying this. I promise you, I'm, I promise this isn't some sort of pitch of like, oh, just, you know, sign up for coaching. It's been a life changer for me. So I'm so glad I made that decision. All right. So that's my five biggest mess ups and five smartest choices. I hope you learned something new today about me and it gave you some ahas about your own life of maybe some choices you want to make differently and maybe some self-love you need to give yourself about, you know, some of your mess ups in your life. And if you're like, oh, Lindsay, your mess ups are nothing compared to mine. Just watch your brain there. Okay. Like don't make this a comparison game here. Um, Really start to analyze what are the thoughts there because really what's more of a mess up than another mess up? I don't know. So it your mess up doesn't have to be any worse than mine. We all make, you know, choices in life that we're not proud of and we have to learn and grow from. And that's what we're here to do. We're not here to be perfect individuals. We are here to mess up and to get dirty and to grow. That is our purpose in life. So Thanks for tuning in for this one, and I will see you in the next one, my friend. Bye. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.